All right, we're in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. If you're newer visiting, we go through the Bible. We're going through the book of Acts right now, and Pastor Durrell is doing a great job on Wednesday nights going through the book of Romans. So we encourage you to come out Wednesday night for the Bible study. Father, we thank you and praise you uh, for the times we're living in because your son's coming back. You said, look for these signs. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But we would know the season. Israel's a nation. Jerusalem is the capital. Violence is uh, growing. We're seeing homosexuality, divorce rampant. Uh, the signs that you, your son said was going to take place are upon us all together at the same time. Earthquakes, natural disasters, they've happened for millenniums, but not all together. The birth pains, the birth pains, as Jesus said, will get closer and closer until he comes back. So, Father, help us to look up. Help us not to be fear. Fear is not of you. Fear neutralizes faith. So help us to live out our faith. Knowing to be absent from the bodies, be present with you, Father. Heaven, what a deal. And also help us to have that attitude as we go about 2020, witnessing to a world that has no hope. They're hoping in the next president, or they're hoping in the economy, or they're hoping in their mate, or they're hoping in something that will disappoint them sooner or later. Father, even as we sang, our hope is in a living God. You never disappoint. We know you have a plan and a purpose behind all things. So, Lord, open our eyes to that eternal perspective, even this morning, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, oh, how word can travel. You know, the believers who are residing in Jerusalem, and we can tell by these opening verses, as we're going to get to them, they were not happy with Peter going into Cornelius a Roman centurion, and more specifically, a Gentile. And you know, we've been dealing with this issue the last few weeks of God being the God of the Jews only in the Jewish mindset. And we could see it here once again in the early church. Because remember, the early church was made up of Jews. That, that was the early church. Now, we don't want to blame anyone or make it sound like we're anti-Semitic because we're absolutely not. So this is not a blame game. But we need to read the scriptures, see the facts of the scriptures, and deal with them accordingly so that we might learn how to get over our own prejudices. You see, after Peter's recent encounter with the Holy Spirit, that is exactly what Peter is going to do. He's going to explain his own process of maturing in the faith. And this is what we've been looking at the last two or three studies, if you're new or visiting um, this is what we've been looking at the last two or three studies. You see, our faith should be maturing. You've never arrived. We've talked about that. If you think you're here today and you've arrived, you're visiting, you haven't. Just break the news to you. You haven't arrived. You need to mature. We all need to mature. That's just reality. And so Peter's going to show now the church the maturing process in his own life. So Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him. So basically, when you see that, if you're new to the Bible, if you see circumcision or uncircumcision, circumcision is always referencing Jews. That that right 
that they had that symbolic right of the covenant with God. Uncircumcised is Gentiles. So when you see these terms, if you're new to the faith, circumcision is Jews, uncircumcised are Gentiles. Notice, though, they contended with him, saying, notice what they said here, this is the early church, you went in to uncircumcised men, or Gentiles, and ate with them. Okay, guys, this is the early church, okay? See, chapter 10 zeroed in on Peter's ministry to Cornelius, a Roman centurion, a Gentile. And historians tell us that this time of ministry had taken place roughly eight to ten years after the Lord commanded his followers to go into the whole world. Guys, we got to realize this. Eight to ten years after, which would have included the Gentiles, as we're starting to see in our last two studies. But with the birth of the Christian church, the leaders and disciples of the church were only focusing upon taking the gospel to the Jewish community and not... Not to the Gentiles. That is evidence. But the Jewish believers were to be a light and an example of God's love to the world or to the Gentiles. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. You see, they were blessed to hold a position. But with that position came responsibility. Another grieving thing is Claudia was sharing with me about her situation, her circumstance last night was um, she had her Bible, and she said it was pitch black through the whole service, and nobody had a Bible. Nobody had a Bible. They had their devices out, but nobody had a Bible. So I'm, I'm going to keep harping on it. I really encourage you to make sure that you have a paper Bible. Your device is fine. You can enlarge it. I understand all that. But at the end of the day, have a paper Bible that you can highlight, and if you highlight on your device, great. If you take notes on your device, great. But if not, if it's just another thing on your device... Get a paper Bible so you can highlight it, check it, put dates on it, make notes in it, whatever it might be. Again, I'm not bashing any of that stuff. Use it for the glory of God. But if you're not going deeper daily, which I would have a very hard time doing on a device, I would be totally distracted. For me, I have to have a paper Bible, and I have a device. Deuteronomy 28. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. Just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all, notice verse 10 there, the word all in Hebrew is all, the word all in Greek is, you don't need to be Hebrew or Greek scholar, it's all, all, all is all. That means everybody. Then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. Have a reverence for you. Don't mess with them. God is on their side. And that's still applicable for you and me today as we go out into this world. People need to see that there's a difference in our lives. If there's no difference between myself and the person I'm working next to, there's a problem. If nobody can see a difference, there's a problem. Now again, you're not going to work taking your Bible and bashing people upside the head. That's not what you're paid for. You're to be the best employee on the job site. Do what you're called to do. But on your break or lunch hour or before or after work, there's nothing wrong with talking about God or sharing the gospel or inviting somebody out to a cup of coffee or letting them know, you know, there should be no secret Christians. There's, there's no, no agents that I know of in the Bible that are called secret Christians. 
They're to see your light. What did Jesus say? Let your light so shine before men, just natural, not the Christian fiction, TV channel nonsense, but your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Well, how do they know you have a Father in heaven if they don't even know you're a Christian? Maybe you worship Muhammad or Buddha or Joseph Smith. No, you worship Jesus. You worship God. So make it known somehow, especially through your actions. You see, as the saints of old, let's look at Philippians 1.27. As the saints of old had that unique responsibility of sharing with the world about the God of the universe, we too as believers have that same responsibility. As I say so many times, and I'm going to keep saying, it is not the role of the pastor to be the evangelist. As you read the scriptures, especially in Ephesians, the role of the pastorate is to train up the saints for the work of the ministry. Every person in here that's a Bible-believing Christian is a saint, and the work of the ministry is on this campus, a few hours, on a few days. The rest of the work is out in the world to your coworkers, to your neighbors, to your family members, the work of the ministry. A lot of times we think of the work of ministry. Oh, I don't want to serve in the Sunday school. You have no clue of what the work of the ministry is if that's the first thought that comes to your mind. You do not have a clue. you got to mature. Because the work of the ministry is picking up a piece of paper as you're walking in. Or you're somewhere else doing something. It's looking out for others. It's maybe changing a flat tire. It's so much. The work of the ministry could be so many things, guys. In 2020, broaden your horizons. Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Your conduct. In other words, the way you live is the way you live is the way I live worthy of Christ. In other words, if Jesus came back right now, would he say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or would he just say, Well... Or, well done? Would you say that? I think we all want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not just a portion. And so there is responsibility on our end. I may hear of your affairs. Oh, let me read it all again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, That would be via the Holy Spirit, having that one united spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. The faith of the gospel. What is the faith of the gospel? That God created man, kind, male and female. That God ordained marriage, one genetic male, one genetic female. That's reality in our lives today in 2020. We have to contend for the faith. There is only one faith. 2020 doesn't change it. Our families don't change it. Nobody changes it. There's only one faith. Are you willing to contend for it? Well, let's look look at the rest of the story, as someone has has said so popularly. The rest of the story. Verse 4. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, Acts 11, verse 5. I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. 
Now, if you're new, um, you can get the CDs. Not going to go over all this. We've done this the last few weeks. They're free. Take it. You can get caught up. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing un- nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. So Peter, again, is thinking on the physical realm. Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, is trying to take him to the spiritual realm, trying to mature him. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now, Peter didn't understand this. Because according to Leviticus, according to the law, there were clean and unclean animals that you could eat and not eat. So he was confused. And that happens in our lives as well. Sometimes when the Lord asks us to do something, he'll never ask us to sin, obviously. But we might be confused. And so we need to ask for more information, get into the Bible, seek counsel, pray. He'll never lead us into sin. Verse 10. Now this was done three times and all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Holy Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us, now the man's house here is Cornelius, the Roman centurion. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Notice this. Very specifically, Cornelius has been instructed, Send for Peter, and he's going to share with you the what? The gospel. He's not going to, he doesn't say how you can be more religious, because Cornelius was, if we want to say it, I didn't know him personally, but it, but most people would say, wow, that guy was really religious. He prayed to God. He gave money to the synagogues. He helped build a synagogue. He prayed th- throughout the day. Wow, he was very religious. No, he had a relationship. He had a relationship with God. Now he's going to learn that relationship is completed through accepting Jesus as my Savior. See, John three sixteen and 17, I'm just going to read it real quick. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son... That whoever believes in him should not perish. And that word perish there is eternal separation. Because Jesus knows we're all going to die. But have everlasting life. And 17 says this. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world. Think about that. Who was the early church going to? Only Jews. They weren't going to the Gentiles. So in a sense, they were condemning the Gentiles, not going to them. But Jesus told Nicodemus, very early on in the ministry, which I'm sure his disciples heard as well, that he's come into the whole world. Jesus told Nicodemus, a Pharisee, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So if you're here today and you don't have Jesus as your Savior, God is not condemning you. God loves you. You will condemn yourself by not accepting him. Those are the words of Christ. He didn't come to condemn you, but to save you. You just need to be humble enough to admit I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Verses 15 through 17. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. 
Who are the them there? Gentiles. Fell upon them as upon us. Who would be the us here? Jews. At the beginning, the day of Pentecost, when there was 120 in the upper room. And that miracle, and guys, that was a miracle by God. Pentecost was a miracle by God. Peter and the group didn't stir it up. Well, let's just get the right amount of candles in the room. If we have the right amount of candles in the room, do we have the right music? Let's get the right kind of music in here. Do we have the right teacher? Let's hear a really good teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. None of that. It was the Holy Spirit came upon them. It was a miracle. God ordained. Peter and the group had nothing to do with it. It was God. What did we see happen with Cornelius and his household? Was it Peter and the gang? It was God. It was a miracle. To show what? To show Peter and these six men, there is no difference. I am God. I am God. And there is no difference in my creation between Jew or Gentile, male, female, slave, free, black, white, Democrat, Republican, police, firemen, whatever it might be, there's no difference. People need Jesus. People need Jesus. And God is getting Peter's attention here. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, Jesus speaking, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Then I remembered. Guys, I want to encourage you to read from Genesis to Revelation. Genesis to Revelation, not out of duty or debt or obligation, but out of relationship. So that you might have something up here that God has to work with. Because besides the word of God, there's not a whole lot up here that God has to work with. That I might remember as I'm going through life and I'm going through my day and I do something or I don't do something, I might remember, oh, the word tells me this or the word spoke of this. Or I remember that story about David and Bathsheba. Oh, you know, whatever it might be, that God has something to bring back to remembrance. Because if not, what is he going to bring back to remembrance? Yesterday's talk show? Today's radio talk show? The argument with my supervisor? What's he going to bring back to memory? Where the word of God is effective, it's sharp. It will give me strength. You see, years later, Cornelius and those other Gentiles gathered at his house were seeking after the will of God as well. And it was God who met them there. As you read the story, they were adamantly seeking after the will of God for their lives. And God showed up. Peter just happened to be there to see it. God would have showed up some other way. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 16. And if you're not used to your Bible or if you're new to the Bible, the team always puts up slides and there's a couple books before, there's a couple books after. And so we encourage you, follow along with those books. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation, Ephesians chapter 2. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. Now this is Paul writing years later. This is Saul, if you're new to the Bible. Same man, just a name transfer. 
who were proud of their circumcision. And, and as you read this, notice who he's writing about. He's writing about himself as a Jew. But he's also explaining to the Gentiles, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body upon the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Notice that. And again, you want to take this in context and you want to think of it in the Jew-Gentile mentality. Was the early church going to the Gentiles? Yes or no? No. Why not? Because there was hostility between them. There shouldn't have been. Jesus loved whoever came to him. He ministered to Gentiles, predominantly Jews, but he did minister to Gentiles when they came to him. So for you and I, we need to be, remember, we need to minister to whoever crosses our path. Whoever that might be. Whatever they look like, whatever they sound like. We have to work through our own prejudices. And realize, no, i got to minister to this person. What that looks like, maybe it's five seconds, maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's five hours. Who knows? But whatever that time frame might be, am I willing to minister to them? Verse 15, he did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups together as one body. That's the same today. There's not Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. There's just Christians. There's Jews that need a Savior, otherwise they're going to hell. There's Gentiles that need a Savior, otherwise they're going to hell. And there's the church made up of Jews and Gentiles who are going to heaven. There's three groups of people on the face of the earth today. That's it, just three groups. Get over your nationality because that will create prejudice in you. Just get over it. There's three groups of people. Jew, Gentile, Believer, which group are you in? God reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. Now, even with those verses, if something's coming into your mind or something this week happens in your life, I encourage you to look at those verses and and kind of meditate on those verses as you go throughout your week And be aware of those things that well up inside you when you hear a debate or when you're listening to the news or when you're reading a a magazine or whatever it might be. See what kind of wells up in you and then take a step back with self-evaluation and go, oh, I don't like that person. And you might even have to acknowledge in your own heart, you know what? I have hatred in my heart right now. God, that's not of you. I need to repent. That's not of you. You've broken down the hostility. You've given me peace. I should have peace with them. That doesn't mean I have, I have, that I can't have healthy boundaries if there's a weird situation. Don't take this too extreme again. Keep it in balance. We want to take the whole Bible. But notice here, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. We shouldn't be hostile 
Shouldn't have hatred or anger towards someone. We may need to pray for them at a distance, have healthy boundaries. Nothing wrong with that. But make just check our hearts. Verse 18, back in Acts 11. If therefore, verse 17, if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And I think that's just a great verse, guys. You know, those verses that Claude and I were even sharing this morning, we started in Genesis, and I looked at Claude and I said, you know, in Genesis, I just do not get day one. And I I looked it up again because I have a very weak memory, so I have to look it up every year. Because every year I go through this turmoil. Every year. There was light. But the light wasn't the sun and the moon. Because the sun and the moon were created further on. I'm going, well, what was the light? And so I go to commentaries, I go to people that really know what they're talking about, and they cannot explain it. They, they, they cannot explain it. They, they even say themselves, we don't know, but here's some theories. And when you come across that, you just have to rest in God. Because I'm not God. And it's okay, God, I don't need to know. Your word says it. I believe it. When I get to heaven, then I'll understand it. So I just encourage you with that. As you read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, because a lot of people will not read their Bible, because the very first thing out of their mouths will say, well, I just don't understand it. Well, good for you. Find somebody that does, and please let me know, and I'll t- call them a liar, because they don't. It was inspired by God. Nobody knows it all. Nobody can figure it all out. You just have to realize that, and stick with what you do know, and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you some more, because He will. He will. Just be at peace with God. Verse 18, When they heard these things, they became silent, and... They glorified God, saying, notice they didn't argue with Peter. They're now maturing in the faith. Guys, right there in verse 18, you just saw maturity take place. Because a lot of times we wonder, well, I haven't seen myself mature. In verse 18, you just saw maturity take place. We're not ministering to the Gentiles. The gospel is just for the Jews. Peter says, hey, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Who am I to argue with God? God poured the Holy Spirit on us. God poured the Holy Spirit on them. Am I going to argue with God? Well, they all know that's not going to take place. Nobody's going to win that argument. So what did they do? They glorified God. So if you don't understand something, and when you eventually do understand it, just give glory to God. Because he's the one that showed you anyways. Saying, then God has also granted, notice what they proclaimed, which they should have been proclaiming for the last eight to ten years. Maturity. We're not bashing anybody. It's just maturity. Then God also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Praise God. Can we think about that in our own lives? You know, just as the Jews were to be a light to the Gentiles before Christ, do a study. I would encourage you to do a study on strangers. Not stranger danger. Strangers. Do a Bible study on strangers. I, I encourage them, a messianic to do this. And, and she was like, what? I go, do a study on strangers. Just go into Blue Letter Bible, type in stranger or strangers, uh, Gentile, Gentiles. Do a study on that. The Jews were always supposed to be a light to the world. And anyone who came to them, anyone, Arab, anyone, they were to welcome them and teach them the word of God. That's what the Old Testament says. They were never to be isolist, separatist. No, it's our God and you can't have him. 
Never. They were, be a, they were to be a light to the Gentiles. You and I, guys, are the same way. We're not to get bunkers, dig deep, store up a bunch of stuff, and hide in our homes. And when they come to get our guns, open the door and shoot them. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to go out with the gospel. In this world that's falling apart, is it getting better? Well, who's going to who's going to transform it? Only Bible believing Christians, one by one. Just as the Jews were to be a light to the Gentiles before Christ, the Jewish Christians were to do the same after Christ. And here we see the simple message given by Peter. Open the eyes of these Jewish believers and notice again what they proclaimed. Peter opened their eyes and they proclaimed the truth. And it's been the truth for 2,000 years now. That God is seeking out a relationship with any Jew or Gentile. Just for like the last 4,000 years before Christ. 6,000 years, God has been seeking people out. If you think no, read your Bible. If you think no, you don't have to come and ask me. I'll just tell you. Read Jonah. And then come tell me that God isn't seeking out people. Read the book of Jonah. And then come tell me. Yeah, let's have a discussion after that. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Because I find an interesting uh, word in this verse. As you're turning there, I'm going to read it again. Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. The word repent. Repentance. You see, God grants repentance. And if you're here this morning and you don't have Jesus as your Savior, or if you're here this morning and you've been away from God, God loves you and he's welcoming you back, the Bible says he's granting you repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. If you choose to reach out, the repentance is there, but the repentance means I acknowledge I've sinned, I turn from that sin, I turn to you, God, and I ask for forgiveness. Ephesians 2, 4 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, notice that, even when we were dead in trespasses, what does that mean? Before you were a believer, young person, you are dead in your trespasses if you do not have Jesus as your Savior. You are dead, spiritually dead. If you're old enough to know well, I just disobeyed dad. I just disobeyed mom. I just disobeyed my teacher. I just did this. I just did that. And I know it's sin. And you don't have a relationship with God. You're going to be held accountable for that. You have to receive Jesus as your savior, young people. You're dead. You want to become alive. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, that in 2020, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I know we did this last week, but let's do it again this week. How many people received Jesus in the past decade? Raise your hand real high in this room. How many people, how many people received Christ in the last 10 years? Okay. The rest of you look around, raise it up real high, straight so people can see. Don't, don't be up there. Are you afraid? Come on, you're with Christians. Yes, I received Jesus, okay? Okay? Praise God. Would we like to see that in the next decade? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we, the message doesn't change. Because we're in 2020 now. The message does not change. We're sinners in need of a Savior. We're not going to water down the gospel. 
that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. For those of you who raised your hand, God was pouring forth his grace upon you and you received it. In his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Don't ever forget that his kindness is towards you. No matter what happens in the next 10 years, don't ever forget that God's kindness was towards you and is still towards you. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then lastly, let's wrap it up with Romans 5.8. Look at Romans 5.8. Because we're very blessed as Gentiles, guys, to be called Bible-believing Christians. The early church was made up of nothing but Jews. But now we're going to see, as we come next week, we're going to start to see the calling of Barnabas and Saul and how the gospel went to the Gentiles, the Jews as well as the Gentiles. So verses, verse 5, 8, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As we go out into our world this week, who are we going to rub elbows with? Saints? Is everybody a saint? Don't zip up your Bibles. Pay attention. Are we going to be rubbing elbows with all saints everywhere we go? No, no, no. Not hardly, right? We're going to be rubbing elbows with sinners. Like we used to be before we became a saint. And we're still working that out. We're still allowing God to transform us. So we have to be available this week for who? Saints and sinners. Because God has made peace with them. They just don't know it yet. You didn't know it before you received it. Somebody was telling you probably maybe for years or decades. And you finally, hello, why did I waste the last 50 years? You didn't waste it. That was just God's plan. Just don't waste the next 10 or 20 years. Do something for the Lord. Be involved. And you young people who have received Jesus, don't waste it going to Sunday school or going to youth group once a week to endure going to church. Get involved. Minister. Be a greeter in the youth group. Be an usher. Be a part of the church, the body of Christ. Whether you're young or old, get involved so that you might pass on the faith to someone in your school or in your homeschool group, or whatever it might be. Be involved. God wants to use you. Father, we thank you and praise you that you are the one who brought peace. I know as an unbeliever, I was not seeking you. I was living like the devil, thinking I was having fun, but yet I was miserable inside. I didn't have peace. I didn't understand love. I had no idea about forgiveness. But your Holy Spirit convicted me. I repented in 1978 and received eternal life. Thank you, Father. Thank you for seeking me. And you're still seeking out people. And so, Lord, if there's anyone in this room this morning that does not know Jesus as their Savior, we pray that they would come forward after the service to receive Jesus as their Savior. They would not leave this building. Father, if there are saints who have walked away, that they would come back this morning, they would repent because you are granting repentance, that they would come forward for, for prayer, that they would repent, just repent. Be humble enough to acknowledge. We don't want to know what sin was, but just to acknowledge, yeah, I need to repent. I need to get right. 
Father, we thank you and praise you that you are a loving God and that you forgive. You are that father that, that, that we see in the gospel who's waiting for the son to return. And when the father saw the son, he ran to the son. He ran. He embraced him. He hugged him. He kissed him. And he rejoiced that his son was finally home. Thank you for that, that picture, God, of you. You embrace us. Even as we sang this morning, you embrace us. So if there's anyone here this morning that needs to come back, I pray that they would come forward. Lord, for the rest of us as we leave, may we have that 2020 vision for this decade. May we be available this week to love on others. May we remember to pray for those who don't want to live peacefully with us. For we know that's a reality. There are some who just, they're not seeking peace. But Lord, help us to pray for them. Help us to do our part in the spiritual world. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Keep us on our knees, Father. That you might be glorified. We thank you and praise you for this time in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. While we all stand, guys, God bless you. Have a great day. And again, we're starting Kids Life, and we do need help. And so we encourage you to come out and help. And Pastor Durrell is teaching Romans Wednesday night. And what is he teaching? He is going to be teaching Romans chapter 9. And part of chapter 9 and part of chapter 10. Open arms. Oh, interesting title. I didn't see that initially. Open arms. Open arms. Come on out, guys. God bless you. Have a great week. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray with you. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. You never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you working. Even when I don't feel it, you working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop for you are way make miracle work. Promise keep.
That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. Amen. God bless you.